0: A radio show that confesses Christ. Without
1: confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously. Without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio.
2: So here we have the the promise of the virgin birth already. And, And now it says that He, this promised seed... Shall bruise you, the servant, on the head. So, this and you will bruise him on the heel. So, uh, this is talking about the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus. So, this is the first gospel.
1: What in the world? The Lord's Supper <laughs> is
0: to help rediscover your innate goodness? Holy smokes. That's like saying that glasses are to make sure you can't see. It's like saying your shoes are there to make sure you can't walk. It's like saying saying a boat is there so that you sink to the bottom of the ocean. That's the goofiest thing I've ever heard.
2: Councilman Darren Latham. Thank you, Mayor. On balance, I think as far as whether we do it on the 6th or the 12th, it matters about as much as my collection of Table Talk radio points. You're listening to Table Talk Radio, everyone's favorite Lutheran theological game show. I'm Evan Gigline and here with Pastor Brian Wolfmiller.
0: Hey Evan. How hey, did you? you know by the way that uh that Eddie Clodish our last Table Scraps uh interview guy?
2: Yeah, who is that again? What's Goes to uh, Eddie Eddie what? Huh? How do you say it? <laughs> Kologi, Kologi. <laughs> Kologi, Yes. He, do you know, he goes to Councilman Darren Lathan's church. I, I didn't realize that till after, after the show.
3: There you go. So Councilman
2: Darren Lathan. So now, when uh, I love that. quote oh, that's great. Now, when Mr. Kologi is concerned about the welfare of his city, well, I guess I don't know if they live in the same city. They just go to the same church. Um, right. But anyway. <laughs> Welcome to Table Talk Radio, everyone's favorite theological game show.
0: Yeah. Oh, still the world's famous, the world's the world's most popular theological game. In fact, the most popular yeah. theological game show in the universe.
2: Yeah. This just in. Nice we get we, we got the stats recently and yep, we're still number 1. <laughs> and alone at the top. Hey, it's kind of like this book I'm going to read in a little bit, uh, The Lonely Way, The Lonely Way of Christian Talk Radio.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. There's a there, the, if you're in Christian Talk Radio, you got lots of company. It's the game show. When you're in yeah, the yeah, Christian yeah. game show. Yeah.
2: That's right. Alone. Well, you are listening to Table Talk Radio. If you want to give us a call, the number is 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-S O 800 five S O L A. or if you like to join uh, and sign up for text message alerts, you can dial the number 69302 oh, and text message the word table talk all together one word uh, to 69302 oh, and you will be uh, uh, signed up for table talk radio alerts and get all the exciting news on your cell phone right there. <laughs> oh yeah, all <laughs> the exciting. <laughs> news Who doesn't want to get wanted. text messages from table talk radio? I, I know, I know. <laughs> Well, today's lineup includes uh, spending a little bit of time responding to our listeners before we play Name That Church Body, and I found uh, some websites. Is that was that what I was supposed to do? Yeah, that you were supposed to find websites, and I was supposed to find th- things in books. This is this is I'm I'm I forgot until just now about <laughs> the last time we played this game how oh, things yeah. went absolutely berserk. It it, pro- it provided some uh, audio for our uh, opening theme. Yes. Boy, I don't know where you find this kooky stuff. So we're going to play Name That Church Body,
0: and then the last segment we have scheduled to play... What game are we going to play? We're going to
2: play a game, we're going to talk about your paper.
0: Oh yeah, that's right, we're going to talk about sanctification, the Lutheran perspective
2: of sanctification. It'll be a yawner, you can just tune out for that. (laughs) No doubt. (laughs) They're not even playing a game anymore, I'm turning it off. Yeah, Lutherans (laughs) don't even believe in sanctification. (laughs) (laughs) Just sit there silent for ten minutes. Well, before we do uh, any of that, we have to do buzzwords, theological buzzwords. This is where Pastor and I give each other a buzzword and we have to work it into the conversation sometime during the course of the show. And I realize I haven't gotten your buzzword for quite a while, so I might start trying again.
0: Yeah, um, here, here it is. This, and this is a repeat. You should, and you should be able to get it because it has quite a bit to do with the theme that we'll be discussing in the last, uh, segment. And that is this phrase, simul justus et peccator. Similar, hey, used to say, it means at the same time, yeah, yeah, Latin again, so I'll be able to notice, because I mean, I know you do like throwing Latin phrases in mm-hmm. to your regular conversation. But it means uh, at the same time, justified and a sinner. So it talks about the two unique and opposing wills that exist in the Christian heart. Uh, we are at the same time righteous, according to the new man, uh, declared to be so by God, and we are sinner
2: sold into sin, still, because of our flesh. But that isn't very seeker-sensitive, don't you know? Sorry. I mean, no one's listening anymore, but... I'm just kidding. Okay, oh. uh, I have a I Latin... I don't know if anyone was listening to start with. <laughs> That's true. So. Uh, I have a Latin phrase for you, too. I just don't know All what right. it is. All right, I like the
0: Latin. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's have it.
2: Okay, it's Ministerium Ecclesiasticum uh which i think I, a ministerium is office of the ministry so a class ecclesiastica must be in the church or of the church is that right do you know
0: <laughs> you're asking me that you're giving a, a, a latin
2: theological buzzword and then asking me to define it um well yeah, i was going to i was going to read about it for you out of <coughs> uh the lonely way by Herman Sasse. Uh, yeah but so th-
0: so that's the ministry in the church or the ministers of the church the ministry in the church the office uh so you're right about the what the two words mean Good. good thing they're close to English.
2: <laughs> oh, come on. You, you don't think it's my vast knowledge of Latin that, that <laughs> deduce what that meant? Okay. You're fighting your own theological buzzwords and translating them <laughs> into Latin? That's
1: pretty good. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's what I'll do. Okay, this is what Herman Sassa says. There is still one thing more that arises out of the fundamental first sentence of our Article 5. There is only one ministerium ecclesiasticum. To be sure, as the Augustan presupposes, that the Apology expressly acknowledges that there are levels in the church, grades of the office. There are pastors, superintendents, bishops, and archbishops. And of course, uh, uh, as Melanchthon correctly says, even the office of a supreme bishop, a pope, is possible. But these grades are not established mm-hmm. by Christ. Whenever they have been set up, they are always a human ordinance, by human right and not by divine right.
0: Good. Hey, do, do, you know, I had a question the other day, and I'm still working on it, because um, someone asked me, does the Lutheran Church have a magisterium, a magister, which is what the Roman uh, Catholic Church calls their teaching office, is a magisterium, and so you're ruling, you're like a magistrate. But we we don't talk that way. We use the language of ministerium, which means it, and that's a servant. Mm. Um, a servant of the word to, to be a minister is different than to be a magistrate in the sense that uh, you are uh, n- now not a ruler but a servant. You're not a leader uh, but you're uh, a slave, a gift giver. Um, so this is a, an important sort of thing that we have a we, we have a ministerium, not a magisterium, so
2: there you go yeah uh-huh. good good distinction all right well in the remainder of this program we'll res- respond to some of our well, our one listener uh, we got an email from Steve and uh, he hey, said Steve in our men's group we started to evaluate what makes a quote unquote good sermon as you do on table talk radio objectively. One group of guys claim the purpose of the sermon is the oral proclamation of God's word rightly divided as law and gospel. Therefore, the gospel should be the focal point of the sermon. This this also makes the gospel the focal point of the service as a whole. All things lead up to that. The other group of guys claim that as long as the gospel was proclaimed anywhere in the service, i.e. confession, absolution, children's message, songs, etc., the rest of the service should be used for anything else, including the sermon. Therefore, sermons um, can be about how to, the five ways to be better, because the gospel was given somewhere else in the service as a whole, they need. Uh, they also contend that the gospel is for the "quote unquote" new people, and people who have been to church just don't need to hear it every week. The sermon this week can be 100% third use of the law because we got the gospel last week. How would you respond, man? This is a. This is really what I'm
0: writing this sanctification paper against. By the way, that we're going to talk about in the fourth. Uh in the fourth segment so i mean these these really have a lot to do with each other there's two questions there one is the question how much gospel is enough to have in the service sermon etc in other words is it enough to have it in the creed and then uh, and then so you can leave it out of the sermon and then the second question is um, who is it for is it for the new believers is it for unbelievers is it for everyone so take up the, que- the the first question, how much gospel is enough? And the answer to that is, you can never have enough gospel. You can never have enough. I mean, you uh, the, the, this idea of asking the question, kind of what's the minimum uh, requirement of gospel, the, the minimum threshold, is just not a question that the scriptures ask. I mean... I get this sometimes when people say, well, if my sins are forgiven, why do I need to be baptized? Or why do I need to go to the Lord's Supper? If you're going to speak the absolution, at the beginning of service, then why don't you just end it then? And the answer is, Jesus, we're always interested in minimums, you know? What's the least amount we need to do to be forgiven, to get to heaven? And Jesus is just, he does not ask the question. He he is interested in the maximum. How, how, when, when he fills your cup, it it's always overflowing, yeah this is kind of I mean, can you imagine if Jesus was your waitress at uh down at the diner you know and and uh, my cup overflows w- would you quit you know that's enou- it's always spilling over, pressed down, running over it says in Luke you know why, why stop just stop at the top of the cup? No, that's not how Jesus does it. He pours and pours and pours more gifts, more gospel, more forgiveness so, so that it says like this is small called where Luther says the Lord is abundant in his grace and in his mercy. So that that the Lord's love should be overflowing from every part of the service, from the hymns, from the creed, from the sermon. And it's important not just for, the. and this is the second question, who's it for? It's not just important for the Christian, I mean for the non-Christian or the new Christian, but for everyone because our Christian life is the life of the new man which is living in repentance, that is sorrow for sin resulting from the law and comfort and faith in the forgiveness of sins,
2: which comes from the gospel. It, th- this is our life. More on that in the fourth segment of the program, but next on Table Talk Radio, we're going to be playing Name That Church Body. You're listening to everyone's favorite theological game show, Table Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Don't go
1: You really are listening to Table Talk Radio.
2: If you're looking for a getaway to be immersed in Lutheran theology, consider the Good Shepherd Institute at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Sing with all the saints in glory the theology of the Christian's death in rite and song. During the Good Shepherd Institute, not only will you engage in great theological topics from speakers like Pastor William Swirla, Dr. Paul Grimm, Professor John Pless, and Dr. Arthur Just, but you will also be immersed in the richness of Lutheran heritage in song. You'll go to choral vespers, hymn festivals, piano recitals, featuring the Seminary Cantorai, the Seminary schola Cantorum, and also a children's choir from Hope Lutheran Church in St. Louis. Enjoy also a great social atmosphere with fellow Lutherans during the banquets and dinners. Sing with all the saints in glory the theology of the Christian's death in rite and song. It all takes place on the campus of Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana November the 7th through 9th with an additional Advent preaching seminar on the 9th and 10th for pastors. To get more information about this year's Good Shepherd Institute, go to their website, goodshepherdinstitute.org, or call 260-452-2224. That's goodshepherdinstitute.org, or 260-452-2224.
3: I have seen
1: the other and I have discovered this
0: fight is not worth fighting, no, and I've seen them others, and I will no other, to follow me where I'm going,
2: so. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. It's not hard to uh, make Pastor Wolfmuller's day. Um, all you gotta do is play his favorite bump music little Dispatch, the General. Although I think that song's a little kind of communist hippie, but I like the <laughs> tune. Yes. All right. Uh, in, in this oh, no. section of the show, this is where we play Name That Church Body. Uh, I have gone to various church websites, and I'm going to read the uh, Statement of Faith. You can tell a lot about a church just by their website, even even if they don't have a Statement of Faith. Uh, True. You can... Uh, see like if they have like a mission statement or something like that or a uh, uh, what else uh, vision a vision yeah thank you uh, so th- these things are all just evident of the theology even if they don't have it but I'm going to read some theological mission statements. vision
0: and venture or values uh, values values venture vision. Ah, yeah, that's the new thing. Oh, okay. I'm yeah. all into it. You know, do, do you, you have need that some at bureaucrat at, yeah. lessons?
2: <laughs> do Do you have that at Hope? Uh, you know, my idea Aurora? for a
0: mission sta- for my for my mission statement. For you, our church, I did have one at one point. I don't. I mean, we haven't used it. We haven't touched it in six years. So, I think it's just kind of fallen. But if we if people really insist, I mean, who cares if you have a mission statement? I mean, really, it's just kind of silly. I mean, this idea that if you have no mission, you die. <laughs> Uh, Like this apocalyptic uh, uh, desert of mission statements, and then you're really in trouble. That's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, So I was going to think of just have a mission and just change it. Like every two, two, three days, have a new mission statement (laughs) so that no one could ever remember it,
2: you know? Uh, I mean, the last thing you want to do is to have people memorizing your mission statement. That's just silly. Well, just, I mean, you have, got, just, just have the the mission statement being like the small catechism, and they'll memorize the small catechism. Yeah, that's right, that's right.
0: You have, I mean, but the problem is, the small catechism is not a mission statement because a mission statement, by its very nature, is something that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Not a, a, while the Christian life, on the other hand, is something that's being done to us. We are passive. God is the one that's doing and giving, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, uh, so you know, and I think because you you have to add. I mean, how, when did mission statements start coming around? Like the year you were born, uh, <laughs> 1987 or whatever. So and now uh, the mission statements come along. What was there before? It's like how did I can't believe the church survived for two thousand years without a mission statement. That's crazy. And and
2: people say, well, they had a mission statement. They just didn't know it. You know, otherwise you can't survive. You can't. You gotta make one. Uh, no, and, no, and of and to that I say, go and do likewise. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, that's
2: right. To make it no, no. without one, totally. See, but there's a point: is the church didn't have mission statements. They had
0: creeds. There's statements not of mission but of doctrine. Uh huh. Now that's a. Total totally different thing because there you have the gospel it's when you're when you're stating doctrine or you're stating belief you have a the church always has had belief statements not mission statements not vision statements but belief statements creeds confessions and that's where our life comes from i mean that's the the lifeblood of the church is the holy spirit bringing to us god's word and and welling up from our own mouths the say the confession of that word which is really fantastic i mean that's that's the lifeblood of the church uh, so you can't you can survive without a mission statement. Of, I mean you can, but you can't uh, you can't survive without a statement of faith, without doctrine. All right. Well, are you ready? It, for and them? you know, here, and here's something: when you go to church websites and they say what we believe, and you go on there, what we believe, and it's a mission statement, now you're really in trouble. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, you so you go on there, and instead of actually having a, a statement of belief, they have a state a, a mission, vision, venture, value statement, or whatever this is. Ugh. All Boy, right, well, that's mercy. all
2: the time we have for this uh, segment on <laughs> Table Talk. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, we're, well, we're playing a game here. Oh, yeah, okay. So I'm going to read you uh, the doctrinal, theological position of some of these church websites, and you have to guess what church body they're from. All and, right. And uh, I'm going to start with, I'm, I'm going to make it easy on you. I'm going to start with baptism. Okay. Uh, water baptism is an essential part of the New Testament salvation and not merely a sym- symbolic ritual. It is part of entering into the kingdom of God, uh, God's church, the Bride of Christ. And therefore, it is not merely a part of local church membership. Interesting. Interesting. Um.
0: Okay, so uh, uh, this discussion of baptism, and, and now notice they say water baptism. So I mean, that's going to imply there's going to be a distinction between <laughs> water baptism and spirit baptism. You got it. And that's the and that's the kind of the, the charismatic move. Uh, but then this talk of being part of the kingdom and the church, this is the, how the Reform treat baptism. Baptism is joining the covenant people. It's being joined with the people of God, but not being joined with God Himself. So that's the a big deal mm. with the reformed, and then uh, and then you had this kind of uh, broader than the local church sort of thing. So this is going to be a denomination, uh, a, a a church that's not congregational. It's going to have some sort of uh, structure, understanding of itself, which is a pan pan congregation. So, but I still don't have I don't know who this is. You have some more
2: for me? Yeah, I have now uh, the mode of baptism. Mode, all right. uh, water baptism is to be administered only by immersion. Paul said we are buried with him by baptism, Romans 6. Uh, Jesus came up out of the water, Mark 1, and Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and came up out of the water. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection are applied to our lives when we experience New Testament salvation. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Oh, it's uh, interesting. they One more that they're line. Using the, one, one more oh, line sorry, here. Sorry, sorry. Sprinkling, pouring, and infant baptism of any kind cannot be substantiated by the Word of God, but are only human traditions. All right, have at it. All right, now, uh, it's interesting they're using the King James.
0: Mm. I'm just going to make a little note of that. Okay. <laughs> KJV, uh, all no, right. K, KJV. So you wonder if, the, I mean, you wonder when someone uses the King James uh, in a formal sort of way, you, um, I mean, you, you know, it's fine to use the King James. I'll throw some King James in when I'm writing, if I'm in the mood to, to use the our Bible that's not copyrighted, because I'm a big, <laughs> you know, anti-copyright guy, but uh But but uh, here's so you you got to do it by immersion. There's no sprinkling and pouring. That's uh, man's ritual. This is the classic. This is kind of classic Baptist, Anabaptist argument. Baptism. The word baptizo in Greek means to immerse, and so uh, so it's got to. Uh, You've got to do it this way. Yeah, but I, I, here, here's why that doesn't make sense. There's a Baptist and Lutheran arguing about this one time. Have I told you this story? Mm, I don't think so. And the, and the Lutheran says to the Baptist, well, what if you take the guy in the water, but you go all the way up to his neck? Does it count as a baptism? And oh, the Baptist yeah. says, no, you got to go all the way under. And he says, up to the nose? No, all the way under. What if you go all, almost all the way under, but a little spot on top of the head? doesn't get under. He says, no, it doesn't count. you got to go all the way under. And the Lutheran says, well, that's what I'm telling you. It's just a little on the top of the head that matters. <laughs>
2: is that a true story remember? no okay. do you remember
0: that uh do you remember that game we were trying to invent uh what logical fallacy is this that yeah. joke could be right good for that game uh, <laughs> but the point is in the scripture that the word baptizo doesn't actually mean to immerse it means to richly wash the and the best text to look at this is this verse in mark 7 remember where they're baptizing couches yes uh Jesus says they were baptizing couches and you say baptizing couch how are you immersing your couch i mean you wouldn't that's uh, just kind of crazy. So to baptize means to, uh, to richly wash. That's just, I mean, let's just get that straight. Uh, now, but, but here's the interesting question. Why, when you ask a Lutheran, how do you baptize? They say, well, whatever, you just get some water, and you have God's word, and boom, you got a baptism. Why, uh, why do these churches insist
2: on the mode? I know, and the I reasons. Know, ooh, I know. Oh, okay, ooh, yeah. Ooh, Go ooh, ahead. Call me. Um, Heaven, yes. <laughs> is it because that baptism is uh, for them not a gospel of of God's gifts, but uh, but rather man's doing, uh, being work of the law? So if it's a work of the law, you got to do it right. Well, yeah,
0: I think that's right. If it's a, if it's a symbol, or if it's man, see, if it, especially if it has a symbolic nature, I mean, if you mess up a symbol, you mess up everything. You, uh, you know. But if if it's real, then it's real. I mean, if it's, if baptism is a symbol of dying with Christ and rising to new life with Him, then you got to do the symbol just right, or you don't have you don't have what it means. But if it actually is dying with Christ, which is what the scriptures say, in baptism you were buried with Him. Not you were symbolically buried, but you were buried with Him. Then the symbol doesn't matter because you have the reality. So all the symbol folks, even though these guys say they're not symbol folks, all the symbol folks then insist on the on the
2: on the mode being precise yes okay well i've got one more uh little thing on baptism for you from this church
0: but it's a mark chapter seven verse four is that verse they observed the the washing uh baptiz- baptizing of cups pots copper
2: vessels and dining couches mm-hmm. so tuck that one away they had a, a big uh a big pool to dip the couches in. <laughs> right all right uh, here's here's the the other one on baptism The name in which baptism is administered is vitally important, and this is the name of Jesus. Jesus' last command to his disciples was, Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. We should notice that he said name, singular, not names. As previously explained, oh, I I didn't explain this previously. Um, but Father Son, and Holy Ghost are not names of separate persons but titles of positions held by God. An angelic announcement revealed God's saving name in the New Testament uh, she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. The apostles understood that Jesus was a name to use a baptism and from the from the day that the church of God was established the day of Pentecost until the end of their ministry, they all baptize they baptize all nations in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh in fact, Jesus is the only name given for our salvation, Acts two uh, Acts four, twelve, neither there is salvation of any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So that's your last line to determine which uh, church body, this could be. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. We are playing Name That Church Body. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Let's find the church.
3: Any one word work. Baptist, a Methodist, a Lutheran, a Presbyterian. How about a country chapel, a city tabernacle?
1: Table Talk Radio where theology meets immaturity.
2: We belong to the first united Baptist Church in Christ, our Lord. Where all of God's children will harmonize and sing in
0: one accord. You can call yourself what you will, it don't make no difference as still. One spirit, one body, one church, one faith, one Lord.
2: Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We are playing Name That Church Body, and uh pastor has been musing over this uh, entry uh, about baptism. Pastor, any idea what church this could be?
0: Yeah, this sounds, I mean, an awful lot with, the, um, with baptism in the name of Jesus only, with uh, water baptism by immersion only, and with baptism being a joining of the kingdom, uh, etc. This sounds like, uh, there, there's two options in my mind, and they might actually be the same thing. You have your oneness Pentecostals. Which are really um uh, kind of the new modalist and they, and their big deal is baptism in the name of Jesus only, and then you have this i'm trying to remember the name of this church, but it's like um it's some version of the Church of Christ in in the city or something um like the Church of Christ Philadelphia or something uh one or the uh, one of those sort of two maybe they're the same thing that's my guess
2: what? you're guessing it's the same thing. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, one of the uh, all right. I'll guess the one is Pentecostals.
2: You got it. This is the United Pentecostal Church International. Uh, oh, and let me let me read uh, their their position on um, the, the Trinity. Uh, okay, first God. There's only one God. He is the Creator of heaven and earth and of all living beings. He has revealed Himself to humanity as the Father, in the Son, and as the Holy Ghost. Uh, Father. Uh, well, all this is is. I mean. It really becomes evidence when we get to the Holy Spirit. I'll just read that. The Holy Ghost is not a third person in the Godhead, but rather the Spirit of God, the Creator, the Spirit of the resurrected Christ. The Holy Ghost comes to dwell in the hearts and lives of everyone who believes and obeys the gospel as a comforter, sustainer, and keeper. All right. That's their uh, section on the Holy Ghost. It's bad. Look, there, I mean, this is. Uh, I it's
0: is this. I mean, ha, is this at all different from this classic modalism? No, no, that's um,
2: that, that's it. Yeah. You got it. So uh, uh, describe so the modal describe is modalism. Is,
0: is, uh, the one God takes different forms. So you different modes. So you have the Father mode in the Old Testament, the Jesus mode in the excuse me, the time of the Gospels, and then you have the Holy Spirit mode. Now, I mean, it's just so it's like a it's like a different um, you know, same actor, different role kind of thing. Like uh, uh you know who's your favorite actor? Uh, let me guess who your favorite actor would be. Um, Tom Cruise, Pierce Brosnan. Oh, Tom Cruise. <laughs> oh yeah, Tom Cruise should have known. I should have known. Mine too. So you know he's different in the uh in the um in the movie where he's uh saving the world from exploding than in
2: the movie where he's uh making the world explode flying on the fighter jet. You know, same actor, different rules. That's modalism basically. Right. Uh, or as sometimes I've heard it, uh that God puts on these different masks. So sometimes he has the mask of of Father on, and then he takes off that mask. And then uh, to come to uh, earth to die, because God the Father had no blood to spill, he takes off that mask and puts on the mask of sons who could shed blood for the mission of sins. And now he has yeah. taken off that mask, and now he puts on the mask of of Holy Ghost. So, yeah. all right. Crazy. All right, do you is. have one for me? Oh, yeah. Here, I got two
0: for you, in fact. All the show prep I did. I don't know which one. Unbelievable. Though, I'm not. I'm not 100% sure that we're gonna that we're gonna be able
2: to get to both of these. Well, so, I, I have one um, on, the, on another website. If uh, I know,
0: I know that's the thing. So look, I I don't know which to choose. Um, all right, you uh, you pick uh, left hand or right hand. Right hand. I want to be all at right, the right, right hand. hand. <laughs> yeah, sure. All right. Um, ready? Ready. Although it is necessary to believe that sins are neither remitted nor even were remitted save gratuitously by the mercy of God for Christ's sake, yet it is not to be said that sins are forgiven or have been forgiven to anyone who boasts of his confidence and certainty of the remission of his sins and rests on that alone, seeing that it may exist, yea, it does in our day exist amongst heretics and schismatics. And with great vehemence is this vain confidence and one alien from all godliness preached up in opposition
2: to the church. So this is uh, echoing sort of um, uh, uh, along the same vein of, of like what uh, Walther would talk about in uh, the scene Between law and gospel that the forgiveness of sins is be to to be complained to the contrite uh, but those who are prideful and uh, and arrogant in their sins um, the forgiveness of sins is not, uh, or I should say, the word of God is not rightly proclaimed to them when you uh, proclaim the forgiveness of sins to them. Uh, so that uh, here Jesus is talking to the to the apostles and says, um, you know, forgive the sins of those who repent, but retain the sins uh, of those who do not repent. So um, that, that's all uh, I got so no, far. Yeah, no, I
0: see how you got that. But I actually think that... Uh, that you that you, my, you let me try something? to read it with a slightly different emphasis. emphasis. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, sins are no, that's okay. Sins are remitted through the mercy of God. Yet it is not true to be said that sins are forgiven or have been forgiven to any who boasts of his confidence and certainty of the remission of his sins. Oh, I and missed that. Oh, okay. On okay. That so so
2: alone. oh, okay. So instead of what I said about um just general pridefulness. See, I was talking about the the pridefulness of. of uh, that one saying i did not i did not sin and and you know someone's saying hey uh i'm not a sinner then then of course there's no forgiveness for them but w- what you just read is someone who who is saying with full certainty that my sins are forgiven by the sa- for the sake of Christ uh, and that mm-hmm, person mm-hmm. uh you're saying it should not be uh should not be called a, a forgiven sinner so that's well, I'm that I'm not is different this, this particular document <laughs> right it's in fact the, okay. the precise opposite Oh,
0: here i'll i'll keep reading neither is this to be asserted that they who are truly justified must needs without any doubting whatever settle within themselves that they are justified. So that no one is absolved from sins and justified, but that he believe for certain that he is absolved and justified. And that absolution and justification are affected by this faith alone. As though uh, those who had not this belief doubt the promise of God and of the efic- efficacy of death of resurrection of Christ. For even as no pious person ought to doubt of the mercy of God, of the merit of Christ, and of the virtue and efficacy of the sacraments, even so each one, when he regards himself and in his own weakness and indisposition, may have fear and apprehension, touching his own grace, seeing that no one can know with a certainty of faith,
2: which cannot be
0: subject to error, that he has obtained the grace of God.
3: Hmm.
2: This is tough. Um. Wh- what, what I'm leaning towards right now, talking about all this... Uh, uh, talk of of um, having no certainty. this really makes me think of of our uh, our Calvinist friends because uh, because essentially, although i i would I don't think I have ever heard it put like this before from a calvinist, but uh, but but um they they would say that that we cannot have complete certainty of of the forgiveness of our sins because well, I don't know that they would even say that, but just but, uh, the, if you take their their theological point to their ends. You, you can't have, no, can have no certainty uh, of the forgiveness of the sins because you're always wondering, am I really elect? Uh, but I'm not sure if that's what's going on here. Now, I might need one more.
0: Uh, well, here, let me go back then a little bit here and, and give you this. Whereas the apostle says that man is justified by faith and freely, those words would be understood in the sense which the perpetual consent of the church has held and expressed. To wit, that we are therefore said to be justified by faith because faith is the beginning of human salvation, the foundation and the root of all justification without which it is impossible to please God and to come into the fellowship of his sons. But we are therefore said to be justified freely because that none of these things which precede justification, whether faith or works, merit the grace itself of justification. For if it be of grace, it is not of works. Otherwise, the same apostle says, grace is no more.
1: Hmm.
2: So, uh, faith is kind of the the, the beginning point. Uh, and uh, what's the ending point then? Well, it, this actually, you hear, pits faith against grace, which is really quite yeah. something. I am puzzled. Faith you, and grace are against You got against me. You just, I, I don't know who this is.
0: Th- this is uh, from the canons and decrees of the Council of Trent. Oh. This is amazing uh, stuff in here. Huh. This is a uh, so this is a uh, let's see here this is the third session of the Council of Trent. Oh no, sorry, fourth session, canon, and I'm f- oh, f- oh hold on, I, I messed up. Well, Four, while you're six looking, chapters. I'll tell you these ch- six section chapters eight and chapter
2: nine. Now see, I I thought it was interesting because actually what came to mind when you're reading that last one is this this emphasis of apparently conceding to this uh language of being saved by faith alone uh and uh and obviously he he completely negated everything that was just said you know when when you go on there um uh, but you can see with with Trent they're trying to uh to have an answer to this reformation claim of of sola, sola fide by faith alone um, but but isn't this interesting? With this first quote that you had about uh, going against the one with with certainty, but th- I mean th- this was what came out of the Reformation, right? That that people uh, were actually assured of of the of their forgiveness, that they were they they were granted the the certainty, the forgiveness of sins by by Christ's work given through baptism and given through God's word. And <laughs> the council of Trent, came back and said, no, 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 we can't have any of that. <laughs> oh, no, it's exactly right. I mean, they say it here. This, I mean, this is a stunning quote. This is where Trent and the
0: dogmaticians, I think, say it like this. It canonizes pious doubt. In other words, rather than being justified by faith, you're justified by doubt. Because it says, if you have confidence and certainty that your sins are remitted and you rest in that alone, then they are not forgiven. And that's simply terrible. I mean, that's a terrifying
2: doctrine. That's right. Well, uh, talking then about justification now, the next segment, we'll be talking about sanctification. With Pastor when there's article, Don't Go Away. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. We'll be right back after this break. Whoever you are, wherever you
1: are, wherever you are, wherever you are by faith you can be.
2: The heavenly first united Pentecostal Presbyterian Methodiscopal Evangelical Evangestolic Nazaristic Faith the Holic Charismental Holy Spirit filled fanatic The Church of God in Christ our Lord where all of God's children
0: harmonize and sing in one accord. And you can call yourself what you will, it don't make no difference at still one spirit, one
1: body. One... Here we sit. We can do no other. Table Talk Radio.
3: We thought this was low, well, it's bad getting worse. Um where all the good people go. I've been changing channels, I don't see them on the TV shows. Where all the good people go? So the problem with some of these religious people that Paul was addressing here in Romans was they were thinking by keeping certain rules and regulations and attempting to live a holy life, they, they would acquire the approval of God. So he has gone to great lengths to point out you'll never, you'll never have the approval of God by your personal righteousness. You'll always fall short. But now, having recognized that God in His mercy has extended His forgiveness to you if you will now accept it. But the result of that should be holy living. So he is saying, holy living will not produce righteousness, but righteousness should produce holy living. And that's what sanctification is, you see justification again it's a legal word that says that i am made right before god sanctification is the practical outworking of that in my life where i am seeking to honor god by what i do and even by what i don't do
2: that is popular preacher and teacher greg laurie you're listening to table talk radio uh talking about sanctification pastor wolfman how do you do uh, how do you uh, how do I do sanctification, or yeah, how, how did how did today? Greg Laurie do Oh, oh. Uh,
0: well, it's kind of it's a classic formula. This, this is and uh, but here I want to get to the root of the difference because there is there's two basic ideas about sanctification as far as I can maybe a third, if you throw in the Roman Catholics, but it's about the same as the evangelicals, and it's and and here's the idea, is that w- when you're a Christian, you you have your uh, here. There's two things that have happened. Number one. Your will has been restored to the state of freedom that it had before the fall. So that now, just like Adam and Eve could choose to eat the, gar- to eat the fruit or to not eat the fruit, now you can choose to do good or not do good. So, the, the, so that's the first thing. It's an anthropology. And then the second thing is you got a little help from the Spirit to do good. So, so you have a free will and the Spirit's help. So now do good. Get after it. Do the right thing. Uh, uh, do that's a, that's a basically it's like a pep talk kind of thing, like an It's an encourager, it's a coach, it's a. So, and now and now all the talk about sanctification is about growth and strength and all this sort of stuff, and and that's your basic template for discussion of sanctification. And Greg Laurie does a nice job of laying it out. The only problem is it's wrong <laughs> it's just it's not what the Bible says other than that it's great <laughs> I mean it would be nice if that was what it was if the if conversion brought a renewed state of man's will but it doesn't in fact the scriptures say really exactly the opposite the scriptures say that the Christian has in himself two opposing wills this is the symbol used to set business your uh, buzz phrase et uh, cut yes 500 points. You have that you have uh Hey, wait a minute. I got some answers right and I never got any points. Oh. Hmm. All right. Didn't I get one this Pentecostal? 200 got points that. then.
2: 200 points for that. You got 500. Points. I thought I was going <laughs> to
0: So the Bible says that man has two wills. You have the will of the flesh, which is sold under sin. It's a slave to unrighteousness. It can do no good. The, and the, even the, the flesh, the sinful nature of the Christian is still like that. It can do no good. That's, this is what Paul's talking about in Romans 7. And this, by the way, I mean, when you get to Romans 7, you can see someone's mettle because all these kind of uh, try harder, do better sanctification guys have to insist that Romans 7 is t- what Paul was talking about before he was a Christian. Now, that's just simply crazy because Paul talks about wanting to do what the Lord desires And that certainly can't describe someone before they're a Christian. This Romans 7 that describes this conflict of the Christian. I'm sold under sin. I do what I don't want to do, etc. So we have the flesh that only sins. And at the same time, we have the new man, the new creation, all who are in Christ are a new creation, that can't sin at all. So while so while most uh, uh, churches say that the man's will is able to sin or not to sin, we understand that we have the we have the will of the flesh which is not able not to sin, and we have the will of the spirit which is not able to sin, and these two are battling it out. Now the result is a totally different view of sanctification. Are we tracking so far, Evan? So far. Okay, so here, let me give you this picture. Imagine, imagine if you have uh, a friend and they have a pit bull, a, a crazy pit bull. No, and no offense to pit bulls, this is a crazy pit bull. And our, and our, pit, our bull,
2: pit, our pit bull listeners, please don't be offended. Right, don't be. I'm sure you have
0: wonderful pit bulls, but now this. Just imagine that you have the opposite, a crazy pit bull. I mean, so you go over to the guy's house and the curtains are all torn up, the couch is shredded, there's food and mess all over the place because this dog is just crazy and and. And it's not. It's worse than that. So this guy's family, his children, are all in the hospital because they were attacked by the pit bull. His wife had his had her face bitten by the. And here's this guy. He's he's missing a hand. Uh, he he's he's missing an. Uh, 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 he's missing some fingers so on his other hand. He's missing his. T- oh, he, he's he's just he's got. Uh, he he he's got stitches and, and because the pit bull is constantly attacking him and trying to kill him. And you, and you go into this, and, you, say, and you, you, know, you try to go see this guy. You can't go in the house because the pit bull will maul you. And you say to the guy, this is nuts. What are you doing? What, what are you living with this pit bull for? There's one thing to do with a pit bull like this. Everyone knows it. You've got to put him down. You've got to put him to death. But this guy says, no, 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 no. I just got some new books in the mail. Uh, 40 Days of Pit Bull Training Purpose. Your Best Pit Bull Now. Become a better pit bull. No, I'm going to train. I, I just need to work harder to get to to train and discipline this dog. To 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 uh, 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 to, to train him better, to make him behave better. I just got to do more. Well, that's how most Christians are are trying to do with their old f- Adam, their their flesh, trying to train him and whip him into shape. But he cannot be whipped into shape. So sanctification, then, you
2: see the picture? Yeah, I was standing there. Where is he going with this? <laughs> I see. I mean, okay.
0: But that's this—that's our sinful flesh, though, and and we, it has to be put to death. This is then a sanctification, is a daily drowning of the flesh, a daily putting to death of the flesh, and the, and a daily rising again of the new man to life, uh, and that is what we call repentance. The law comes to us and shows us our sin. That's contrition, uh, sorrow, we know our sinfulness, we know our own death and weakness and all of this. And then the gospel comes and and forgives our sins and and, and by that the new man rises daily to life. Uh, So that that as we daily live out our baptism, being buried with Christ and risen with him, as we daily live out our baptism, uh, the old man is being put to death and the new man is coming to life.
2: Yeah, I, you're right. One place I think where Lutherans get off on this uh, is that Lutherans have this uh, teaching of the three uses of the law. They have the, the you know the curb that you know kind of keeps chaos in order, the mirror which shows us our sin, and then uh, the third use is is sometimes called the the rule or the guide that kind of uh, so called teaches us how to live, and it's sometimes even called what, Pastor, the the uh, the what is Go gospel the use of the law have you ever heard that oh, before oh the gospel uh, yeah
0: i guess i have heard of that uh, but, i mean it, it, in a way that's all right because the, really the third use of the law is nothing other than the fact that the new man who can't do anything wrong delights in the law of god but that's fine uh, that's, i mean we don't need to what's there's i mean it's not that complicated but the flesh there the flesh that's in you and will be in you until the Lord Jesus gives you a blessed death. that flesh hates the law. it always will hate the law and the law will always kill that flesh it'll always beat that flesh down so that uh, so that the law has a different effect on on our on our old sinful will than it does on our new perfect will uh, and that's I and mean, that's really what they' uh, the, the the confessions are trying to get after when they talk about the third use of the law. So uh, this under yeah, we should, here. You want some scripture though? Here's one: Galatians five, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So there is sanctification. It's a daily crucifixion. Or Romans eight: If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So that so that this is not a training or a
2: disciplining. It's a dying. That's what sanctification is. It's a it's a dying to the flesh. So, so as as you I said before that that this understanding of sanctification is is uh really wholly dependent upon this understanding of of justification that um, that just as uh, we were made right before God by the death of Jesus um, so we are made holy and so our our sanctified life is is nothing more than in putting our old Adam to death by that that same cross, that that same crucifixion, the, the same death, um, as uh, well as we see in uh, Romans six, and this is why Luther talks so much about uh, remembering your baptism as part of part of the the Christian life.
0: Yeah, that's right, because because just as Romans six gives us this death and resurrection in our baptism, so we are as we daily live in our baptism, we're daily dying and rising. We're, we're we're daily being crucified and daily uh, being raised, and and this is again we talked about how the Christian life is passive. This is worked in us by the Holy Spirit because it's it's like think of it like this: repentance is what happens when the law and gospel have their way with us. So the law comes plow, and the result is our, we see our sins and we're sorry. The flesh is put to death, and then the gospel comes ploom and we have faith in the in forgiveness and we're raised to newness of life.
2: So in 20 seconds, how would you respond to uh, the emailer earlier, uh, Steve, who said that you don't need to hear the gospel week after week?
0: Oh, boy. We we live by the gospel. The new man eats, drinks, breathes the gospel. Apart from the gospel, we're we're choked off from Christ. Uh, And so the gospel must, like we said, you cannot have enough gospel. That Jesus loved us, shed his blood for us, and our sins are forgiven uh, by his sacrifice on the cross.
2: Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio where the points are like
0: exhortation to do better,
1: to the flesh. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, Tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time through Tabletalk Radio.